The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. Three Yards Per Carry, it's our Thursday special. It's me, Simon Clancy, along with my friends, colleagues, Alfredo Altiago. Good evening. Good evening. Hello. Chris Kaufman, how are you, sir? Oh, wait a minute. You've got to wait for me to queue in before you talk over the queue. It's not how it works. Ah, fuck it. We're professionals. Let's, let's, <laughs> we're not, let's start it we're over. not bedroom, we're not yeah. bedroom journalists. Uh, but we will get, as Alf says, to bedroom journalists shortly because obviously that's what we are. I'm back this week from my trip around America, back with these two plebs after hanging out with my new mate, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> this is. <laughs> Sorry, like, it went silent there. Crickets there. <laughs> so, no game for the Dolphins this week. Doing so, um, of you too. I know, right? No game for the Dolphins this week. We are on a bye ahead of Indianapolis in a week's time. So, nothing for fans to piss and moan about for seven days, which is a miracle. Thank uh, God. So, we will look at where we are. Yeah, thank God. So, we will look at where we are as a team. We will take some of your Twitter questions and thank you for sending them in. And we'll probably do something like mid-season MVPs or a break MVPs or something like that. Or maybe we won't. We'll just see how it plays out. But before we get anywhere, before we get into it, we need to talk about our sponsor, BetDSI, who've been with us for months. We are very, very grateful. And as the NCAA and NFL seasons come towards a conclusion, you can take your pigskin knowledge to the bank with our sponsor, BetDSI.com. They have almost 21 years online and an impeccable reputation for great service and fast payment for your cash. Excellent mobile interface. If you're wandering around aimlessly like 98% of human beings do, looking at their phones all the time, you can play, win, get paid, bet anytime. And to help you get started, if you haven't already, they're offering double your money on your first deposit. So you deposit, start winning, and get up to $2,500 free. That's double your money from the get-go. So when it comes to anything, football, NCAA football, Major League Baseball when it starts again, UFC, the basketball, the Premier League, eSports, political stuff anything you can bet on brexit whether it's going to happen or not if you're that inclined i mean you wouldn't be but if you were they've got every wager you could want or imagine if it's happening in sport bet dsi've got it so join today using promo code yards 101 that's yards 101 to get in the action and get paid you can enjoy the games much more when you play at betdsi.com right boys we are five and five you what buddy I said that's a lungful right there, isn't it? <sighs> All one breath. breath now. I know, right? It's, it's, almost, it's almost like I'm a pro. Um, <laughs> we are five and five as a team. We are coming off a defeat 
in Lambeau to the Green Bay Packers. We have had a fluctuating season, a season devastated by injuries. Some people don't want to talk about injuries, and I totally get that. They don't want to use that as an excuse. Some people want to say that it's time for the head coach to go. It's time for the quarterback to go when he's healthy. It's time for the front office to go. People are talking about piling up picks for 2020 and Tua Tonga for 2021 and Trevor Lawrence for 2027 and somebody that's probably not even been born yet. Where, where are we realistically as a team? And look, I get that there are people out there that don't like what we have to say about how we feel about certain aspects of the team. We are generally glass half full people when it comes to this particular team and this particular coach and this particular coaching staff generally but i get that there are people out there who have taken a glass and have stamped up and down on it and then have set it on fire and then have pissed on it to put the fire out and then have set it on fire again i totally get that but realistically and objectively in the cold light of 72 hours after the green bay defeat where are we as a team right now and where are we as a franchise looking ahead for the next two three years what what state are we in what state could we be in and what do we need to do to get to the state where everybody stops fucking moaning <laughs> you want to take it first chris uh god do i have to because uh this is I, i'd say where the dolphins are right now is not good where the dolphins are going is not good um and the there you go people that... see you next week <laughs> <laughs> it's over <laughs> We're going to discontinue the pod um, immediately and start back up in 2021. Um, no, I, I think that right now where we are, I want to, hey, I want to be uh, optimistic about this season because bottom line is we do still play the Bills twice. Um, and so you're going to face Matt Barkley or uh, or Josh Allen. Uh, and, you know, Josh Allen, as as talented as he is, he has – you know, serious problems as a rookie, certainly. And, and a lot of people don't think he's, he's ever going to get over them. So you got two built-in wins, probably, unless we just really, you know, shit the bed. Um, well, they look what they did to the Jets of the weekend. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and the Jets were a terrible team. And we barely came out ahead on them. Um, so that's that's something to consider. But you do. Yeah, but you, can't, you, really can't, you really can't do that because, you know, the Titans just finished destroying the Patriots and yeah, we destroyed yeah, the Titans. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it's hard to play that game in the NFL yeah. um, because it's all different. But uh, you do still play them twice. You, you play the Colts. Um, and then you have, uh, I, I guess, after that, you got the New England game and the uh, Minnesota game. And Jacksonville are really a way where, you know, they're not, they're not doing too well either. So – um you've got a couple of wins in in this schedule left and we're at five and five so playoffs are definitely within reach there's well, half a game out half a game yeah, out of the playoffs. really just mm-hmm. half a game out just not, half a game out and, and so you want to say that we're in a good place here but at the same time brock osweiler is certainly disintegrating before our eyes as a quarterback and and as the starting quarterback of this team uh, Ryan Tannehill, as we've been talking about for, you know, since before the Bears game, has a serious problem. And it, you know, from our vantage, it doesn't look good. Um, maybe the Dolphins feel a little bit different. I don't know. Um, but uh, but we don't we don't place much hope in him coming back this year. If he doesn't come back this year and you've got Brock Osweiler playing the way he's playing, and the only alternative is David Fales, who was kind of just good enough to lose to the Bills last year, then, um, you know, this is bad. This is going to be bad. And then you head into the next offseason, and, okay, do we land Teddy Bridgewater, and does he really 
you know, take us to the promised land? Does he do really well? There's a chance there. But also Teddy Bridgewater has his own durability and injury problems, uh, which we've just gone through with Ryan Tannehill. And, um, and then, uh, you know, and what if he says no? Um, and then there, there's the draft, which Simon and I, you've got, you and I have gone over, is, is just a mm. shit show as far as the mm. quarterbacks go. Although we have one or two guys that we like, but, yeah. you know, they're pets. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, so. interesting thing about, the interesting thing about the guys in the draft is that, and, and again, people won't want to hear this particularly, but the two guys that we both really like, who we think will obviously will come out because they're both seniors, mm-hmm. are Daniel Jones of Duke and Easton Stick. Well, he's not a senior, though. He's no, not. he's not, actually. That's a good point. But if yeah. he does come out, yeah, I mean, somebody asked me on Twitter today, he does remind me of a certain quarterback. He's a bit yeah. more football intelligent and a bit more accurate than Ryan Tannehill with a weaker arm, which people mm-hmm. are not going to like. And then there's the kid Easton Stick that we'll talk about and we talked about on the podcast previously when we, when we did our quarterback special. Yep. And I was totally wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I mean, it happens, doesn't it? But it, these are, I want to throw the names of two quarterbacks into the mix, one of which is Derek Carr. Mm. And one of which is Russell Wilson. Now, it's very unlikely that Russell Wilson will ever slide free from Seattle. But the, the longer it goes on without the contract extension, mm. the more the people in Seattle start to worry. The more that, you know, and we've all heard the stories uh, and they've been well written by people like Robert Klemko, who's well connected at MMQB with people like Richard Sherman about how that situation in Seattle has manifested itself from the build up to the Super Bowl in which Wilson threw the interception to Malcolm Butler. And from mm. that point forwards, how there has been an uneasy peace between members of that team and Russell Wilson, how he mm. feels disconnected to the rest of that team. It's unlikely he would ever shake free. But guys, what about those two names? Car, it feels like the Oakland Raiders are loading up for 2020. And load, I mean, it doesn't seem like there's a plan at the moment, but then when you look at Tua Tunga Viola in 2020 and the, the fact they're going to have, what, five first-round picks in the next two drafts, mm. you've got to feel like there's got to be a plan somewhere. Because, you know, as bad as it looks for Oakland, John Gruden's no muck. Reggie McKenzie's no mug. Do you think they, they look to move a Derek Carr who just looks like he's totally lost his way in Oakland? Well, uh, Chris, you said that he's a perfect fit schematically. Uh, if, I don't know about perfect, but it makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense because uh, Adam Gase does like his 11 personnel and you rattled off his numbers when we played the, the Raiders yeah. in, in 11 personnel and he's pretty good in it. What I see out there is a lot of people are going to make the comparisons between him and Ryan Tannehill and they're 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 completely legitimate. It's they're pretty close to being the same guy. Now, if you think that a healthy Ryan Tannehill would have been enough to keep this team not afloat, but pointing toward the playoffs consistently every year, year in and year out, then sure. Then Derek Carr is your guy. But I think we've seen enough now that maybe we can do a little bit better. But of course, you know, Russell Wilson's a, a pipe dream, but you know, we can forget about that. Would you? Would you give? What would you give up for Russell? If you, if there was a, if there was even a word that Russell Wilson was available, would you give up three number ones easily? F- yeah. Four number ones? Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I, getting, uh, well, you know, that's weird. Uh, I've never seen four, but um, I don't know. Well, you know, a lot of people on online and especially Dolphin Twitter are, like to get on there and say, oh, it's time for a complete reboot and a rebuild and just tear it all down. I don't think these people have been paying attention the last three years. Now, if you ask me, which was the original question, you know, where is this team right now? I'm actually a little optimistic, and I'll tell you why. Three years ago, they reorganized the entire front office, and Adam Gase was handed the, the head coaching job. Of course, they made the playoffs. Those are the results. Yeah, we know the results. We could debate from now until, you know, we're blue in the face whether the team was actually good or not. 
I happen to think that they deserved their 10 and 6 record that year. But three years ago, this team does not have the talent that it has today. And I don't think people have been paying attention when they say that it's time to completely rebuild the team. Because if you notice, there's plenty of units on this team that are damn near completely rebuilt and with decent young players that we all like or near being completely rebuilt or in as far as the offensive line, which is kind of obvious, in complete need of an overhaul. So I would say that if they started something three years ago, I think that if they're not right on schedule – they're just a beat or two beats off from being right on schedule because I like a lot of the young players that they have. I said earlier today on, on Twitter, most teams don't have one elite secondary player. We have three, okay? And we have two of them who are pretty young, and we, we're pretty sure that they're going to be Pro Bowl-level players for a long, long time in Xavier Howard and Minka Fitzpatrick. We both like – all three of us like Jerome Baker. I like Vincent Taylor a lot. I think Devon Godchow is also an NFL player. I think Albert Wilson is going to be a cornerstone to this offense for the foreseeable future. Uh, Larry McTunsell is an elite left tackle. There's a lot to work with here. Now, you add a good quarterback, an above-average quarterback to the mix, and you're going to see how a lot of our problems just go away. I don't think they can move forwards without significant changes to the front office. And, and by that, I think I mean Mike Tannenbaum, because I just don't think you can – think I, his position is untenable. I think now at this point. And I think that probably, I think the stain and stink has probably covered Chris Greer as well. But I just think if there is to be a change, it has to come in that front office, which I just think needs a completely new broom, a bit like John Dorsey in in Cleveland. And, and whether that's, you know, whether that's Nick Casario from New England or, I don't know, Joe Douglas from Philadelphia or, you know, even Brian Gain coming back. But I kind of feel like it has to be somebody completely, a Trent Kirkner at Seattle or somebody like that, Will McClay, uh, George Patton, maybe at Minnesota. You, you just kind of think that something has to change. And I really don't want it to be the head coach, actually. And Jason Leesner just wrote an article about an hour ago that's just gone up on the Palm Beach Post saying that actually Adam Gay should be given a contract extension um, mm. because of the way that the last three years has played out with the injuries. And as I say, people don't want to talk about injuries. I mean, it's impossible to talk about, I mean, you know, He's had his starting quarterback for eight games. You, you cannot judge the man on anything that he does. Yeah, yeah, he's made mistakes. Yeah, maybe he should give up the play calling. Yeah, maybe he's not getting the best out of certain you know, personnel or certain players or you know, there's the Matt Burke issue. But winning changes a lot of those things and having your best players changes a lot of those things. And he just hasn't had them available. Barry Jackson said in the press box on Sunday at Green Bay that 12 of the players that were supposed to start the season as starters were now either on IR or long-term injuries. So that's 12 or 22. So that's only leaves 10 players. <laughs> yes. And you're judged on the 53rd player on your roster as well as you are the first. But take the quarterback position. There's not 32 good starters in the NFL. The Buffalo Bills have proved that. You know, mm. other teams have proved that. You know, I, I, cannot, I cannot be upset at Adam Gase for choosing to replace Ryan Tannehill with two quarterbacks who he's worked with significantly who understand his system, his difficult system, very well. Now, were they the best options in terms of pure quarterbacks? Well, Buffalo just won a game with a quarterback who hasn't thrown the ball for two years. So what, what does that say about picking guys that you know and that you... Because, look, Matt Barkley isn't winning a lot of games this season. He's not. He may have that one moment last weekend, but he's going to fall off the cliff faster than Brock Osweiler. You know, I, I can't blame a, a guy for... Why would you pick a quarterback who doesn't suit your system, who has never worked with you before? That, that just makes no sense. You know, if I own a garage and my mechanic dies, and I sacked a mechanic 
you know, two years ago who was really good, but maybe he was getting a bit old or, he, you know, maybe he didn't do the job perfectly, but I knew that he'd come in and do a, a solid C job, C plus job. But I didn't have to try and randomly find some guy who didn't know anything about engines. Then I'd go back to the guy that I know because that's what you do. I, I just don't understand people nitpicking about his selection of quarterbacks or the development of quarterbacks. He's not been given any quarterbacks to develop. I, the one I quarterback that, he developed is Tannehill, who looks significantly better under him. So for me, it I has think, to be the front office. I think you're hitting the nail on the head with the respect to that quarterback position and that backup position. I hear this all the time, and it, it does drive me a little bit nuts as well. Because, you know, is, is Gay's here to be a quarterback whisperer with, uh, with anybody in particular? Yeah, Ryan Tannehill, not anybody else. Um, you know, so people have been using the backup quarterbacks to criticize Adam Gase from the start and it's like well what were your alternatives i mean yeah they could have come to terms with uh teddy bridgewater but you know he said no and he chose he chose a different offer and and so you know what were the alternatives to having brock osweiler and david fails everybody's like oh i guess josh rosen or uh lamar jackson you know they could have traded up and given up a bunch of stuff to trade up and get josh rosen mm-hmm. um, or they could have traded down and gotten Lamar Jackson. And we're, we're probably about to find out a, lot, a little bit more about Lamar Jackson, I think, as because I think Joe Flacco might be done for the year. But, um, yeah. but you know, that judgment about whether those were the right calls isn't going to be made in 2018. And, and they're not good in 2018. And they're not going to be good in 2018. And they're not any better than we, we've seen out of Brock Osweiler or what we're about to get in David Fales if he's about to play. Nobody we could have gotten, nobody we legitimately could have gotten, aside from perhaps Teddy Bridgewater, would be playing better right now than we're seeing out of Brock Osweiler and David Fales. And that is a sad reality, but it is reality nonetheless. This is the reality of backup quarterbacks in the NFL. You go with a guy that you have a rapport with, that you know, that knows the system, that you know how to call plays for, which is you know an underrated aspect of this that people tend to ignore. And, uh, and, and that's, what, that's what you do. You go with it. And they've won two games with the backup quarterback, you know, inexplicably won two games with, um, with Brock Osweiler, uh, you know, because, they, because they've done that and they've gone that road. So, so no, there was no quarterback that was going to be a magic bullet that they could have gotten to, to save us in 2018 when Ryan Tannehill goes down after the fifth game. You know, no, that's not, that's not happening. It's not Josh Rosen. It's not Lamar Jackson. And when you're talking about those guys, you're not talking about 2018 anyway. You're talking about whether they are franchise quarterbacks of the future. And if they are franchise quarterbacks of the future, then you pin that one on Gase. You say, listen, you said no, and these guys are awesome or one of them is awesome, or something like that. But we can't make that judgment yet. That's, that's, not, that's not happening. Can I, can I then ask a question about 2020 then? Because people talk about, oh, you know, let's look ahead to the 2020 draft because it, uh, it, it looks like it could be a fairly transcendent draft in terms of quarterbacks when you throw in Jake Fromm and, and Tua Tungavailoa and maybe Jacob Eason in his year at Washington, uh, you know, the, the, the Georgia transfer. Um, you know, Justin Herbert, if he decides to stay, which looks likely his brother's going to be a, a fresh, true freshman tight end, isn't going to be redshirted unless he gets injured. So the, the you know, the, the idea of Herbert throwing to Herbert is is huge. There, there's lots of names, potential names in there. What mm-hmm. what do we think about perhaps doing what Brian Guttenkunst and, uh, and the Saints front office did, Jeff Ireland and, and the team there did in terms of, you know, trading oh sorry the Packers in terms of trading away their first round pick so that Saints could move up and take Marcus Davenport and essentially accruing uh, you know a pick for the 2019 draft do you think there's a possibility that the Dolphins 
would look ahead that far to 2020 in the back of their mind and think, you know what, let's say we end up with the 14th pick and there's three really good defensive linemen on show or on offer. Maybe we move down 15 picks and pick up a 2020 first rounder so that all of a sudden we have two 2020 first rounders. And that gives you just a little bit of movement when it comes to, okay, we could get that quarterback in 2020. Do teams even think like that in terms of, you know, because look, Tua could get injured, From could break a leg. Eason could be turn out not to be very good. Justin Herbert could fall off a cliff. Personally, for me, I don't think you can ever look two years ahead because it just the football just doesn't work. Sport doesn't work like that. But do you think that that would be a possibility, a conversation? Because it's certainly something that people are asking us on social media. Do you think that's a conversation that legitimately happens in front offices? Yeah, it's something that has happened before as far as in other sports. Um, we saw it right here in Miami. Uh, the Miami Heat prepared their 2010 offseason Three years in advance, they started making trades to clear up cap space that would come off the books precisely the year that LeBron James was going to become a free agent. So there is long-term planning. Now, if you're going to long-term plan for some faceless quarterback that you don't know who it is yet, then and, and especially two years out, when you don't know what you're going to produce on the field the following year, because it's, it's, com it's completely possible that they win – 10 or 11 games next year and now all of a sudden one of their first round picks is not as attractive when maybe you could have had two picks inside of the the first 12 and that could have been attractive enough to move into the top five for the quarterback that you want so I think in the NFL it's not something that you really can plan for especially when it comes to a quarterback because two years out things change like not too long ago we were all marveling at how great uh, Tua, and I can't even pronounce his last name. I have trouble pronouncing his last name. But Tonga. Yeah, but we were wondering Vaya. Loa, right? Loa. Yeah. Tua Tonga Vialoa. Did Tua, I get it? Tonga He did. Okay, so Tonga, I've, just, I've just listened to a British man teaching <laughs> a, a man with a Cuban accent how to pronounce. How to a, say a Hawaiian name. A Hawaiian. Samoan name. Samoan, <laughs> actually Samoan name. But, but not too long ago, we were wondering, when is he ever going to play a fourth quarter? And now we're noticing he's taking a couple of hits. He's taking a couple of injuries. Mm. You know, now that he's playing some better SEC defenses, you know, you never know when that injury bug is going to come. You don't know when that big injury is going to come. So, yeah, two years in advance is just, I think, a little bit too crazy to plan for. I think that, I think that no, you don't do that because of the future draft. You do that because of the present draft. You either have somebody on the board that's really good, you know, and, and in the case of this this year, they had Minka Fitzpatrick and they had a really high evaluation on him. And it turns out that was warranted. He's been a very good player for Miami. Or you don't. And if you don't, and I, and I kind of think, I kind of wonder if that if Charles Harris really rated that highly for them in the, the year past. But, um, you know, if you don't, then yeah, you 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 are open to that because it's all about it's not about the your future faceless draft where anything can happen. It's about what's staring in front of you and what the value is. And in this particular draft, you're going to be staring at possibly some really heavy hitting defensive line assets that you could start you know looking at if say they're picking 14 overall or something like that. Um, you know some of those guys are really good 
and you know not just those guys but you know the linebacker from LSU and um and and maybe the corner from LSU Greedy Williams or uh, some of these guys are excellent football players that are going to be available and you know it's not just guys that you have to talk yourself into liking okay it's um so if you're staring if you're staring at the if you're staring down the barrel of of this draft and you're seeing a guy or a set of guys that's like eh, you know take or leave um then yeah you absolutely look for that deal and you trade down so that's that's how you look at it you don't look you don't look ahead all right now let me ask you guys a question before we go to break here we saw ryan Tannehill's 2016 i thought it was fine uh I expected him to get a little bit better going forward. But this year I came to the realization that the best Ryan Tannehill we are going to get or we're ever going to get was the one that we got in 2016, which I think was clearly an above average quarterback, a top 15 quarterback. I think that we need to be better than that going forward if we want to compete for a a championship. What do you think? Simon answered the question after week five. He said that he is is done – with Ryan Tannehill, if you recall that podcast, and uh, and and he did that at the time that that Ryan Tannehill might have actually been done in Miami, <laughs> uh, coincidentally. Um, so uh, so you know, heard it here first. Um, so yeah, I think that uh, I think that from Simon's vantage point, maybe he he could correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, you would want to do better than him. Uh, from my standpoint, I think that he's fine. I think that's probably a moot point right now anyway because uh, he's, he's suffered so many injuries. St- Even if he comes back and plays the rest of the year, um, then you have to think as you're heading into 2019, like, hey, this guy just keeps suffering injury after injury now, and we're not, you know, maybe we don't want to be a part of that. Um, and so, so it doesn't really matter. We're going to have to find something else anyway. But, yeah, you're always looking for better than what we've gotten out of Ryan Tannehill over the years. Um, do I think that we saw the best that we could have seen from him in 2018 in those first, in those first you know, five games? Do, no, I, I, don't, I don't think we did see the best. I think his MO has always been to kind of start out a certain way for a number of games in the year. And then to kind of turn it up and, and things were to click and then him performing better for the rest of the year. And he didn't get a chance to do that because after the fifth game, he went out with this, um, this injury that he has in the shoulder. So, you know, we're not going to see him probably for the rest of the year, or at least we think so. But uh, even if we do, you don't know if he'll be interrupted because of that. So we didn't really get a chance to see him turn up like he did in 2016, like he did in 2014. Um, and, and start improving. So we didn't, we didn't necessarily see his best this year. I just don't think it matters anyway because, you know, shoot, you get into 2019, you're not going to count on this guy. So you got to go get Teddy Bridgewater and somebody else because you can't really count on Teddy Bridgewater alone either. We got to go to break now, but when we come back, we will have Twitter questions. But first, these words. This week on the Five Reasons Podcast, we put out four new episodes with John Krasinski on the Jimmy Butler Miami Heat trade talks. There are people within the Wolves organization that think the Heat were as responsible for that falling apart as the Wolves were. With Tom Haberser on the NBA. I was introducing Eric Spolster, the coach of the Miami Heat, and I say, hey, Eric, this is uh, my boss, John. John, this is Eric. And Ira walks by and goes, oh, congrats on your new job, Tom. Another one? What, next week? Next week you're going to have another one? With former Dolphins quarterback Sage Rosenfels on his post-playing political work. 
Well, after I retired, I counted how much money I had. I knew what my budget was, and at one point I realized I had you money, and I didn't give a what people thought about what my politics were. And on the Dolphins' win over the Jets. It is the worst offense in Dolphin history. They had guys named Dick Wood playing quarterback <laughs> before Greasy got here. Literally, his name is Dick Wood. Look it up. He's not, that's he don't, he, that's he's not, not true. Catch this and much more on the Five Reasons Podcast, available in the same places you're listening to this podcast. Hey, this is Seth Levitt, and I am here with two-time Miami Dolphins team MVP. Seth, 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 man. They already know this is OJ McDuffie. Why don't you tell them what we're really here for? We're excited to join the crew at the Five Reasons Sports Network to bring you our new podcast, The Fish Tank, Dolphins Tales from the Deep. OJ, tell them what they can expect when they dive in. Yeah, Big Seth, we've got some of your favorite all-time Dolphin players in the tank sharing some of the best stories that you've never heard. So it looks like Sasquatch because he's <laughs> chasing me because you, you know Izzo with his clothes on. He's so hairy, that guy. <laughs> Wait, why are you looking so, at me like I know yeah. Lizzo with his no, clothes off? Seth with his clothes off. <laughs> so make sure you find the fish tank on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or if you're one of those Android people, Google Play Music, or on several cross-platform apps, including Podbean and Stitcher. Thanks for diving in. And we're back on Three Yards Per Carry, and we have Twitter questions. The return of Twitter questions. We haven't done them all year, but it's the bye week. So might as well do them now. All right. Chris, the first one is for you. Oh, it's like Christmas. Yeah. And this one's from Joseph Lopardo at Loving the Fish, NYC. And he says... Loving the Fish, huh? Yeah, he's still loving the fish somehow. Joe's a good guy, so be nice. (laughs) Okay. And he asks, if Gase continues to ride this failing Osweiler train... Is it another sign of his stubbornness, which might be his biggest flaw as a head coach? All right. So, yeah, I do think that uh, it would be his Adam Gase's stubborn streak uh, manifesting if, if he stuck with Brock Osweiler for the rest of the year. We've seen Brock sort of disappearing right before our eyes for the last month slowly. I mean, he's been getting worse and worse. He's been getting more prone to those ridiculous, you know, game – uh, you know, costly game losing plays. And, um, and he's getting, been getting worse and worse at actually, you know, fighting back on the other end and making plays uh, to, to help us win the game. We've had a, we've had a really crappy offense. So, and, and Adam Gase gets, tends to get really touchy when they have a crappy offense. And when he gets really touchy, he makes changes. So I don't think that we will see Brock Osweiler, a failing Brock Osweiler, continue on at quarterback for long but it does seem Adam Gase's MO to like maybe do it you know one more game than you thought he should have um something like that so so we'll see but um but I do think that we're going to start to see David Fails pretty soon and Osweiler on a short hook all right Simon this one is from Jason at Dr. J and he writes if Tannehill's indeed possibly proven out for the season during this bye week do you think the Dolphins will look at Sam Bradford? And what is your evaluation of him? I would say unequivocally no. <laughs> um, my evaluation of him is that he is a very rich man doing very little. Um, <laughs> so is Oswald. If, if we worry about yeah, true. If we worry about Ryan Tannehill being hurt then I would suggest any sort of strong wind that blows through the stadium may tear an ACL. Um, He is unerringly accurate when healthy. 
there was a Monday night game at the start of last season where he was. It, 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 I, I can't remember ever seeing a quarterback more accurate throughout a game. Um, he just is unreliable. He can't stay healthy. Um, his uh, and when he's when he's not at a hundred percent, then his accuracy. I, I just think he's got a broken body. Really, he's just had too many injuries. Unfortunately, he was an excellent quarterback at Oklahoma, but was was hamstrung, bottom. Uh, by injuries, and uh, I think that's followed him through in the NFL. And unfortunately, he cannot be relied upon. And also, he costs an awful lot of money. Um, and you'd pay a lot of money for a guy who probably might fall apart in you know in the second week of playing him. So, so to cut a very long story short, no, I don't see him as being an option. All right, and this one's for for both of you, but I'll take Chris first, and it's from David Bullen at D Bullen ninety eight, and he writes: If Miami did change to an Alabama style defense, what are the changes we could see? Well, the first thing you'd see is um, is you'd see different defensive linemen. I don't think that they they would um, they would be able to continue rolling with the same approach. You'd have to see you'd have to see um, some some I guess some bigger uh, bullies up front. Um, I don't know. I mean, Vincent Taylor, I like, uh, and and we we like Devon Godshaw, but it feels like there would need to be another uh, defensive tackle in that rotation. There would certainly need to be a larger closed-end type player like a Rashawn Gary out of Michigan. And and then probably not both of Robert Quinn and Cameron Wake either, uh, especially not on their salaries uh, and their pay grade. There would be some, you know, it, you would see a, you would see a lot of changes to the way that the defensive front plays and um, and a little bit more of odd front defense and uh and that would probably be be good in the long run for the for the defense it's just more versatile uh, you can choose when to dial up pressure and and you can choose when to when it's you know maybe a little bit more necessary to to stop the run um things like that and and then also also when you're when you're using an odd front defense like that it it fits a little bit better with the ability to go into a dime defense. You notice this around the league. Those classic four-three fronts with, uh, with especially a wide nine approach. You don't often see that meshed with dime defense very often, but you do see odd front defenses meshed in with dime defense a little bit better. And and that, of course, has been one of my big issues for a long time is uh, the Miami Dolphins' inability to stop anybody on third and long. Uh, they're probably the worst defense in the league on third and long again, And, and although I'd have to check to make sure. But, um, and, you know, I, I lay that at the feet. You know, listen, it wouldn't be a cure-all to use dime or use more six defensive backs, but it, it would certainly help. So, um, so yeah, I, I think that, that in some of those changes you'll see up front especially on the defensive line. And this is a good draft to do that. Simon, this is from Matt Chapman at Matitude 13. And it says, now that your dream came true, thanks to Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> who would you love to see on your followers list next? Just Scarlett Johansson have a Twitter account. Um, <laughs> Salma Hayek, maybe. Oh. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I probably don't need to go any further than that. <laughs> yeah, but you know, once you have Aaron Rodgers following you, you're like, do you I really mean, need anybody else? I don't need it. I mean, it doesn't get any better than the goat, right? I no, mean, I, I, I think, I think you're done. I think. I mean, <laughs> shut it down. I've got quite a funny story for Harry Potter fans out there, which sounds like a misnomer, but isn't. My very first night in Chicago, we went to a bar, and it turned out it was on Halloween, and it turned out there was a uh, 
it was a Harry Potter quiz night, uh, but the place was absolutely rammed. But it was also fancy dress, so everybody had to go as like pe- people from the Harry Potter books and films. Oh except, so I would say that it was two floors of this bar in Chicago, and there was probably oh, I don't know three hundred and fifty people in this, four hundred people in this place, and three hundred and ninety six of them were dressed in Harry Potter gear, and there were four dumb English people were dressed just as normal English people. Now, some people might argue we could get away with looking at Harry Potter characters, given that we've come from England, and I will take that. But um, one of the quiz team members, one of the quiz teams, so everybody had a team, and they were all named after Harry Potter characters. But one of them was very cleverly called Slytherin Into Your DMs, which I thought was <laughs> genius. Now, I won't be doing that with Aaron Rodgers, but I just thought I'd share that little I was just going to ask story. you, how did, uh, how did Aaron Rodgers and Danica Patrick dress for that one? I couldn't possibly tell you. Friends don't reveal, <laughs> what, you know, friends don't reveal stories about other friends. All right, Chris. This one is from Sean Mahiney at SW Mahiney. And he writes... What would be your plan B if Bridgewater signs elsewhere next offseason? First off, I, I just love that. Um, I, I don't know how to, how to pronounce his name no, at all. It's definitely not that. All I do know is you just butchered <laughs> the hell out of his name. That's, that's what I do know. But um, Why, is it Mawiney? <laughs> it's not Mahiney. I know that for sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not that. <laughs> It's but anyway, a lot of things. Uh, it's not Mahiney. <laughs> if Teddy B, if Teddy B is gone for first off, I think Teddy Bridgewater would be an excellent choice for Miami. Not because you know I think that he's talented and there's all that, but because we know Alf, you know that he wants to be here. If Ryan Tannehill were transported away from the Miami Dolphins, then you know Teddy Bridgewater and his family would all be like you know get him in. To Miami now um, so I think that that's the reason why we talk about Bridgewater is because half of this free agency stuff that the half that usually goes unsaid and just goes assumed and it's stupid but half of it is the player has to want to come here so um, so I think that uh, that's why we keep talking about but if somehow that does not end up a possibility then a guy that you didn't mention that's starting to be talked about and I actually buy this I don't buy the Russell Wilson thing at all to any degree Um, Mm. I think that you know media reports about unhappiness between elite level quarterbacks and their team and how they might move on and stuff like I think they've called probably 12 out of the last zero moves um, from from one team to another. So uh, I, I just never buy it. Um, but I do buy that, like you said, Derek Carr could move, but also Matthew Stafford could move from the Detroit Lions. Now, do I know whether, you know, have I really decided whether he's attractive and Miami should go after him? I don't know that yet. But I knew that I know that Matt Patricia came from, you know, New England, and there's a certain mentality there about that. Matt Stafford's not necessarily the guy that he picked to run his team you you could actually see that you could see that that happening and um and if that were the case you know should Miami be interested um it would certainly have to be somebody like that just to appease the fans just to appease Stephen Ross uh if Teddy Bridgewater is out of it and the draft is not an option because the draft sucks uh for quarterbacks this year 
then it would have to be somebody like, like that, like Derek Carr or maybe Matt Stafford. And you could kind of you could kind of see that happening. And I noticed that you set me up there that that you kind of know that I know that he would like to be in Miami. Yeah, you kind of set me up. And to all you assholes on Twitter that were questioning my sources, on this one, I will reveal the source. The guy who told me that Teddy Bridgewater would love to be playing here in Miami, his name is Teddy Bridgewater Sr., okay? And I met him at a, at a oddly enough, at a Pep Boys in Miami Lakes. And in case you don't know, that's his father. And he told me, yeah, of course. The whole family would be over the moon if Teddy Bridgewater would play quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. Okay, so there, I did reveal a source. Wait, I thought we were supposed to be bedroom reporters. How can you know things like that? Yeah, exactly, right? Nice guy, by the way. Great guy. Uh, we were, me and my wife were talking to him for about 45 minutes, and it was the weekend of the Minnesota-Miami game. Do you remember that game where Teddy Bridgewater played great? So, yeah, great guy, and yes, he did say that to me in person in, you know, live, living color. Okay, Simon, this one's kind of interesting, I think. Uh, Juan Hernandez at Evil Miami Monkey. Did I say that one right? Doubtful. Okay, and he writes, does Ryan Tannehill have offset language in his contract which would lessen the cap hit were he to be released and sign elsewhere this offseason? It's a great question, but I would not have a clue. Um, I genuinely uh, wouldn't know. Um, Chris might yeah. know, but I, I I don't know the intricacies of his contract. Yeah, I'll take that one if you don't if you don't mind. Go ahead. I, I definitely uh, brush up on on this stuff. Um, it wouldn't apply because Ryan Tannehill doesn't, as far as I know. Um, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I'd have to look it up. But I don't think Ryan Tannehill has guaranteed salary in um, next year. Uh, that's that's where offset language tends to apply. Is when your salary next year, say you're set to be paid as Ryan Tannehill is about, I think like, uh, you know, 17 or $18 million next year. Um, if some of it or all of it is guaranteed to you so that you, you have to pay it to him as a salary, whether he's on the roster or not, then, then offset language applies. If there is offset language and you release him and some other team signs him for say $6 million or something like that, then whatever he gets from the new team, you get relief on that. You don't have to pay him that $6 million because now the other team's picking it up. I don't think that Ryan Tannehill actually has a guaranteed salary next year, so I don't think it applies. Um, what, what people tend to flip out about is, you know, the dead money and the cap figures and stuff like that, which I think is I think it's silly. I think that it, it's sort of like people kind of step halfway into the salary cap and, and instead of all the way. It's one thing if you're stepping all the way into the salary cap and you're really, really, really good at it and accounting expert and no accruals and stuff like that. Um, it's another thing if you're kind of just dabbling in it. If you're just dabbling in it, don't bother. Just look at the base salary of $18.7 million and say, um, okay, well, if, uh, if, if, if the $18.7 million – uh, or if we cut them, then we don't have to pay them that $18.7 million. So I don't think 2019 is, is really an issue here with the offset. All right. And this one's for all three of us. Simon could take it first. And that's, uh, and this one's from chef B at the burrito is back. I don't know when the burrito ever left. And he writes, what is the most important trait that each of you look for in a franchise quarterback? Simon. Two arms. <laughs> 
Yeah, but what if he has one really, really, really good arm and the other one, well, you know, he's an amputee. Something happened to him. I, I can't see I can't see an amputee quarterback playing in the NFL. Why not? He could he could catch a, a shotgun snap. I'm not saying he couldn't. I just I mean, are we getting are we doing this really? Are we really? Oh. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I could see an amputee quarterback starting in the NFL because you need two hands to play quarterback. I, mean, <laughs> I think I'm, this will be a topic for debate. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, this is the road we've gone down. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, I'm, I listen, I, I the more amputee people we can get into no seriously the more empty people we can get into mainstream sport the better i think it's um you know i think it's ludicrous that there was a discussion around shakeem griffin the guy can play football he was fully drafted because he was a really really good football player the fact he only has one hand there's neither here nor there because he proved beyond reasonable doubt that he could be a legitimate superstar at ucf and was a major reason why they were you know why they went unbeaten and, and beat auburn in the bowl game so but in, uh, no, an amputee quarterback, I don't think, could play the game. And also, two arms is not. I mean, it it doesn't come down to one thing though. You know, look at look at Ryan Tannehill. You, you you've got in in the modern NFL, you've got a mobile quarterback with a big arm, uh, who's who's intelligent uh, and you know tough. And we always used to talk about pound for pound, he was the toughest player in the league before the ACL tear because he took a licking and kind of kept on ticking. But I, I, but it's got to be a combination of of other things than that I don't think Ryan has football intelligence for example I don't think he is a, a, he is of an elite mind in terms of just the way that he processes information look at look at Aaron Rodgers look at Patrick Mahomes look at Baker Mayfield look at you know they, they've got just something they've got the quick release they've got the the, the football brain they've got something that just separates it's as much of an hit factor as anything else I think in the modern NFL you can't have a statue uh, and I don't think, you know, Tom Brady has, has kind of gone against that. But New England's offense is so diverse in what it does and plays so well to Tom's strength that it kind of they kind of get a pass. But I think you need to have a mobile quarterback. I think you need to have a big arm. I think you absolutely have to be accurate and make, you know, accurate throws both down the field and the short and intermediate routes. I think you need to be able to throw catchable balls and ball placement is incredibly important. But I just think you need to have a football brain you need to be able to understand progressions, understand where to throw the ball. Know that, you know, if you don't get the, you know, that you look at Osweiler, the, I was sat in the press box on Sunday four or five times. We were saying in the press box, so-and-so's open. Now, it's very, it's fine for us to see it on a kind of all-22 angle, which is what you do in the press box. But good quarterbacks see those things. They, they, they anticipate stuff. I can't think you can put it down to one thing beyond having two arms, but there's just a series of things that, 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 put together an it factor that just it's hard to explain but those are the sorts of things that I look for I just think football intelligence and accuracy and ball placement are really really important for me Chris well as you go it depends on what you're talking about whether you're talking about a starter whether you're talking about you know a good player or whether you're talking about one of the elites I think as you go up the chain then it gets a little bit narrower and narrower as far as what you're looking for like if you get into the elites then you're talking about a guy that has to have an extremely consistent throwing process to where he can get accuracy on the ball and just an you know almost unerring amount um and so that that's one thing that would be shared probably among all of the players that you would actually consider to be at that elite quarterback level um otherwise it's you know there's 
there are a lot of different kinds of quarterbacks that succeed. And so it's hard to look for just one thing. I think that in general, there is a sort of a, you must be this high to ride this ride uh, thing with respect to arm strength um, mm-hmm. below a certain amount. And you're just not going to make it. I'm sorry. Uh, when you get above a certain amount, uh, the the little differences in, in your arm strength from there don't tend to make as much of a difference as your technical prowess and, and your consistency and your accuracy and stuff like that. Um, and what Simon was talking about, about football intelligence, I mean, listen, you, you can be a very intelligent person, but that doesn't mean you're, going, you're able to be a master pianist. I mean, it's, it's, you know, there's, there's a certain other thing that it takes about your brain and the wiring in your brain in order to, in order to, to do, you know, something fantastic like that. Also, also you need two arms to be a master pianist. Just put that out there. As a a matter of fact, I don't think an amputee could be a master pianist. Um, So yeah, I, I think that that's, that's certainly a big part of it, that functional football intelligence and awareness and, you know, whatever it is. Um, I think it's about being able to process the information fast and being able to perform. And as quarterback, you're a performer. And, you know, something I always look for in a quarterback is I don't need you to perform just when the snap is, you know, starts and then when the play is over, when the, when the wind's whistled dead. Uh, you need to be a performer. You never turn it off when you're a quarterback when, as far as your performance goes. Um, it's never off. And if it is, if you do have an off button and you keep trying to turn it back on and back off, then I don't know that you're the quarterback for me. Um, so a couple of things that I tend to tend towards as my personal preferences in the college guys are the playmakers, the guys that can run around and do things um, and, uh, and make plays with their arms and their arm and their legs and, uh, and do things when the play breaks down, do things against pressure, you know, really get off their spot. I, I tend toward those guys because I think that when you're coming in the NFL as a young player, unless you're lucky enough to come in and be, you know, under a genius offensive coordinator, um, then you're going to have to make some plays in order to continue going on in the NFL before you even have a shot to learn how this league runs, to learn everything about the coverages and learn what you need to know in order to be a veteran in this league. You have to come in as a young guy making plays. And in order to do that, come in as a young guy making plays, then you have to be a playmaker. You have to have something physically impressive about you that says, you know, I can do this. I can run around. I can make these plays. I can, you know, I can really be a danger and a threat to a defense when I'm young. And then when I, when I'm, you know, that'll get me by for the first couple of years as I learn more and more about the NFL defenses and how this league works. And then, then you can be a veteran, but uh, I don't think you can come in just kind of like not being able to make plays, but kind of being like, Oh, I, I can, I'm a, I can run an offense kind of guy, unless you're just lucky enough to step in with Sean McVay or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or Kyle Shanahan, uh, or, you know, then then okay you can be that kind of guy but otherwise i i steer toward the playmakers as for me it's mechanics 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 um the mechanics of, of a quarterback are really just your built-up habits over years and years and years and thousands and thousands of repetitions it's the most difficult thing to change on a rookie quarterback and sometimes it could go two three years with subtle changes and sometimes it ne- they never change at all so i think you got to start with near perfect 
or as good as you can get mechanics. And then I'm big on pedigree. I like, uh, you know, I, I joke about all the time with, uh, with Chris about I want guys from Pennsylvania, Texas, or California because they seem to produce so many Hall of Fame quarterbacks. It's, you know, it's, it's not a coincidence. But besides that, I like a guy that has played big-time high school football and played big-time college football. Now, yes, you would say, oh, well, you would have missed Carson Wentz because he went to Timbuktu State. No, it doesn't matter. Uh, I still would like to maintain those two criteria still in mind. Big-time college football most of his life and perfect, perfect, or near-perfect mechanics because then you're just really only working with what he could learn on a system and what you could teach him. Well, that's it. There is no more. Next week, we'll talk to you about I don't know what because it's a bye week. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.